Hey friends, this is Holly Goodman, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's group of exceptional autism parents. All right. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Isaac's Autism in the Wild podcast. Today, we are talking about areas where we as um, parents of special needs kiddos feel like there could be more community inclusion. Um, And I was just yakking at my husband about this particular topic, and it was interesting, um, you know, that perspective of uh, when you have a child more significantly impacted um, with autism as his son is, and then my son who's more high functioning, it's just kind of interesting when you're looking at um, kind of different perspectives and where you might feel as a parent more community inclusion um, is needed. So um, that's why we have a parent, a group of parents joining me today, because I want to hear you guys are all here for a reason. So I, I feel like you guys must have some suggestions or thoughts on where there could be more community inclusion. So who would like to start? Um, well, I'm Angela. I have two kiddos, uh, 12 and 11. My 11 year old, Josh, he is on the autism spectrum. He is mild to moderate, so he has some fairly uh, significant needs. Um, and yeah, that's a little nutshell. Um, I guess for me, I, community inclusion would just be the acceptance of like my kiddo everywhere, like no matter where we go. And there, there, there's a lot of places that are slowly branching out with sensory friendly days and all that's really nice, but I feel like it still doesn't take care of what, what they need. Um, or it's just kind of something fun. Oh, look what I did. We're sensory friendly, but it's, but it's not really understanding. It's just, Hey, let me slap this label on there. So I think, um, a lot of it just comes down to people and employees and staff members actually understanding our kiddos who are on the spectrum, who have sensory needs, who have, um, difficult time with things. And, um, I, I really think it just comes down to more training for staff in general, anywhere you go, really. I completely agree. And I have, um, at the Isaac foundation, I have the benefit of, you know, having businesses and companies reaching out, wanting to figure out ways of being more inclusive as organizations or as businesses. And it's interesting because, you know, one of the first things I always tell people is that, okay, number one, um, like when we're talking about sensory experiences, we cannot make this um, sensory appropriate for everyone. Like we just can't. But what we can do is we can provide information. So that means that we're providing information to parents. So when they choose to take advantage of that, you know, business or whatever the opportunity is or the activity, they have information ahead of time or where that's available on the website so that they know places within the, you know, their, you know, whether it's um, Laser Quest or whether it's the, um, you know, Blue Zoo, which is a, a, a uh, it's a um, fish aquarium. Sorry, I was thinking about the word aquarium. I couldn't quite come up with it. Or even our Mobius Museum or Science Center. Um, you know, it's really making 
You can be sensory supportive every single day by providing information. And that means that, you know, it's a map of where things are really loud. Um, so if your kid is, you know, auditorily sensitive, here are some areas that you may want to avoid. So then that way there's not a meltdown or you're paying closer attention to different exhibits or things that would be, um, you know, um, real, you know, high sensory seeking um, activities. So then you know which ones would be appropriate to, to seek out. And again, when you start talking to businesses, um, one of my big pet peeves, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, is that I like, I love Chuck E. Cheese. Love it, love it, love it. But you're basically giving us one, I think they're doing it weekly. I, I, we might have started out monthly where it was like one sensory friendly day a month where on Sunday mornings, they would like not have the light, they would have the lights on and the sounds turned down. And that was our day to go to Chuck E. Cheese. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I don't feel like going to Chuck E. Cheese on Sunday morning before all the rest of the people come. Do you know right. what I'm saying? And that, like, how- yeah. Don't really feel like going to Chuck E. Cheese at nine o'clock in the morning or even 10 o'clock in the morning, because, you know, some of us are lucky enough that we have churches that are inclusive and are working to support our family so that we can actually be a part of a church uh, family. And so, you know, instead, I feel like, you know, one time a month to me isn't good enough. And then I know that there are also sensory friendly days and I do appreciate those more. Um, but you know, again, I feel like we could be doing a lot more to make things like sensory or, you know, just inclusive all of the time. And again, it just takes like, again, having a map and some information on their website. Like I was telling Mobius, tell me your days of the week that are less, um, like busy. And just keep that on your website for those that have, you know, special needs family members, you know, here's some just like fun facts. Wednesdays from this time to this time is our slowest time. Well, that is really great information. If that's something that is important to me as a family. So I love that they were open to that. But again, you know, I I'm with you. I get a little bit like, you know, like while that is a really nice gesture, like shouldn't we be working on ways that we can actually be there all the time? And exactly what you said, Angela, it goes to training, training for the staff. Um, and it's hard because, you know, you're right. It takes time and money to spend on educating and training staff to be supportive of individuals with differences. And so, um, but we're getting there. I think we are getting there. Um, Isaac Foundation certainly does a lot of community partner trainings. And so um, I'm saying that there is a shift and I do see a lot of businesses that are interested in doing that, but um, you're right. It really makes it, you know, we should be striving to make it sensory supportive all the time. And then also being accommodating and understanding of people with differences. And so step one, training. Um, what about you, Maria? What are some of your thoughts when you're ta- when we're talking about um, community inclusion? So I guess what I've noticed more is um, places of employment that hire staff that might be younger versus older have more um, patience and willingness to um, allow Josiah to count out the money or to load the cart in such a particular way where they don't seem to be so rushed and hurried um, and more understanding and more willing to engage in conversation. But there's a small store in Cheney that's um, every time, at least we've gone, the staff seems to be older and the acceptance level is different than if we go to a different store in Cheney where the staff tends to be younger. I don't know if it's just small town exposure. Um, you know, I mean, there's so many variables that could be into effect with that, but that's just something I've noticed in the smaller town. Um, 
and in the bigger, uh, like in Spokane, I really have feel like we've been pretty accepted wherever we go. Um, but we are cognitively aware of going when it first opens, going when it closes, not on a Saturday afternoon. Like we purposely plan our trips to the stores around the busy schedules. Like we've done a lot of learning <laughs> and a lot of trial and error to, we just prevent all possible behaviors. I mean, not all of them, but I mean, we're cognitively aware of when we go to certain stores. Yeah. But don't you think that if you could go on their website and they would just be open and honest with you about our slowest period of time is this, if, yeah. if that matters um, here and even a map, I always just tell every business, you know, we had Halloween express. I really love them. Um, at Halloween time, they reached out to us and they said, you know, how do we make this more like um, sensory supportive so that families who have, you know, family members with disabilities, mm-hmm would be able to shop. And really when we were talking about, you know, like how about a map, like how about, you know, like, again, what's your busiest days? I'm guessing probably Friday, Saturday, Sundays, you know what I'm saying? Uh Uh Um, a Uh little bit earlier. So then that way, you know, they turned off some of those, um, animal things, you know, so that things weren't being spooky and stuff. And, and I did appreciate that, but again, information on a website, how, yes. how valuable or even Facebook. I mean, yes. it takes one post that you just pin to the top Yes, that says our slowest hours, our peak hours. Even if you post the peak hours, I can figure out, figure it out and read between the lines yes. of when their slow hours are. Yeah. You know? However, if you were to say, yeah. Hey, for those that have, you know, family members with special needs, here's some information about our establishment because then you're not spending time and effort having to figure out like oh well the, oh well we went on a thursday after school and that's mm-hmm. a shit show so we're never going to do mm-hmm. that again. you know what i mean it just creates like less trial and error and then you have more positives as opposed to because yes. i don't know about you guys but we have one bad experience and trying to unravel that negative association no. with that bad experience is like i'm not saying it's impossible but it takes a lot to unravel. But we're we're 13 years into figuring out store hours and which ones to go to and which stores to go to and which ones to avoid. And it's taken 13 years yeah. to figure this out where yeah. I would be happy to pass that information on so somebody else doesn't have to go through all of that. Correct. And if businesses were just aware of the fact that that is helpful to us, knowing that information is really helpful and just putting it out there mm-hmm. so you can access it like on Facebook, like thumbs up to you. Um, what about you, Gerilyn? How, where do you feel like um, there should be more community inclusion when it comes to special needs families? Well, I mean, a lot of places I guess I can think of, but um, one thing that came to mind was like after school extracurriculars. Oh, Elian, yep, go floss and brush, buddy. <laughs> um, just hey, like Apple, this is real life, okay? We're just dealing with the real life here. Um, ex- after school extracurriculars, because I know there's like a lot of things going on. Um, like I know um, Elian's old school, they had um, like a weaving class or something. And I mean, I was working until 530 every day. There's no way I could go with him. Um, But I wish there was a way that he could be included in that. Like there is a way to support him to go to some sort of extracurricular like that. And there's just really, it doesn't really exist. I mean, as far as, at least not at any school that we've been to, it's all kind of 
geared towards the neurotypical kids. I completely agree with you on that. And I guess, you know, you know, again, I'm with you, Maria, like, you know, we're 12 years into this like adventure. And so when we sign Caleb, Caleb is, um, you know, is higher functioning. Um, he spends about 80, eight or 89% of his day in gen ed, but you know, he loves playing, he loves chess. And so I signed him up for the chess club and I have to send a little, I mean, either an email of the manual, Caleb's manual is what I call it. Um, or I send the, an index card. I'm holding up an index card as an example where I'm sending it to his, um, you know, the coach or the instructor, whoever it is saying, you know, here are things that you need to know when you're communicating with Caleb or sensory, you know, things just because he does get, you know, really overwhelmed, especially when you're talking about extracurricular activities after school, the kids get kind of rowdy and stuff, but for Caleb, that's still hard because of the auditory stuff, but you're absolutely right. It's, um, you know, I'm fortunate in that Caleb's, you know, he doesn't require a one-on-one to do like chess club or something like that, but you're, you're right. It definitely, um, you know, I think that there are less after school extracurricular activities. I think there's a lot of adaptive extracurricular activities that you can access that are geared towards our, our loved ones. So, you know, we have special needs track, we have special needs basketball, we have special needs, um, special Olympics, you know, there's bowling. Um, we have our, a, a um, exceptional hockey team, you know, pretty much, you know, soccer, you know, it's all there, but you know, those are all ones that we're accessing and, and doing that, um, you know, on the side. And so, um, it's not integrated into school, like an after school program, like everything else, which I think is kind of a big downer. So that's a really good point, Gerilyn. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Gerilyn. No, I was going to say, well, don't make it right. I'm really grateful because his school, like he's always been able to do like a, an adaptive basketball team and things like that. But I guess I just wish there were more options that he could just, you know, he would feel supported and be able to go to. And it wasn't kind of geared just for the neurotypical kids. Like I wish it was just for everybody that everybody could participate. So, well, correct. Like when you're talking about like after school, like arts and science programs and right. stuff like that. Um, I really have to give it a whole lot of thought and I look to see who's in charge of it and whether or not I am like, ah, do I have any confidence that that person would be able to like, just be able to have him integrated within that group and not have it be challenging and have it be supportive. And, and you're right. Cause it's just, it's a lot. So, um, how about you, Chevy, um, for you guys, um, you have a littler one compared to the rest of us. Um, so in, um, so tell us a little bit about your family and then what, where you believe that we could see a little bit more community inclusion. So my youngest, uh, Kira is five and she is our autistic one. Uh, she has moderate autism. So she's a little bit more impacted, um, than I guess some of the higher functioning kiddos. So her language is, uh, emerging, but not quite conversational. Um, and, I actually, I thought about this subject and actually talked to, I asked Simon and even my kids, I was like, what do you guys think? Cause I was just trying to get their opinion too. But, um, I, what I will say as far as having a younger kiddo is I feel like the inclusion programs tend to start like eight years and above. If you've got a kiddo that's a little bit younger or just starting to emerge in those skills that you'd like to get them involved in certain programs, they're just not really available to the younger autistic kiddos from what I could see, like special Olympics was eight and above. A lot of the adaptive programs were older as well. 
Um, so it's just trying to find access for her. Um, I know that we tried to do dance class for a couple of years, which we're now holding off on until she gets a little bit older. Cause I tried a couple of times putting her in typical programs. Wasn't a very good fit. Um, and, uh, we even tried one program that kind of, uh, their advertisement was like, oh, we include like everybody and even like special needs kiddos. But once we actually put her in the program, they are really geared for older di- children with disabilities. And it was like one class, like one day of like the week or something. And it was like a time that wasn't even very accessible for us. And then also on top of it, it was really, they, they said, you know, I emailed them about it and they said, you know, typically this is really geared for probably like 10 years old and above. Yeah. So it's like, I'm just finding that challenge of like, okay, how can I get her started in some things? where it's more adaptive, I guess, for a little bit of a younger kiddo. Yeah, you know, that's a really good point. Um, I remember, of course, this was in the olden days when Isaac was little and he would be 17 now. Um, There really wasn't even adaptive sports at that age. And so the best thing that I could find was soccer tots because I figured, you know, those are all toddlers and they're just running around like crazy. So what if one has autism? Like, what's the harm there, right? So I registered him um, without really being totally honest. And it was a complete cluster bomb. Let me just tell you, like, you know what I mean? Cause I'm like, how bad can this be? Like they're all toddlers running after a little soccer ball. Oh no, it was horrible. It was, it was absolutely horrible. So you're absolutely right though. Um, I, even with our um, hockey, we do start them at four, which is actually when you're talking about our adaptive hockey program, um, we start the kids at four, but you're, it's so interesting. Cause when you see the kids out there, you have four-year-olds on the ice with three-year-olds because um, so it's kind of um, you know it's one of those things where it's it's kind of when you're looking then at the whole ice and you see you know little guys all the way up to like grown six foot you know two um, young adults plus and then you put ice skates on them so now they're like three or four inches taller than so they look just like these towering giants over these little guys but it does work but you're right there's not as many most of those programs are geared for older kids um, so you know here's another thing that I was talking to John before um, he exited because he didn't think he had enough to, enough to offer this podcast topic is you know John, again, John's son, Cooper, is more significantly impacted. He's um, going to be 17 in May, um, but his, you know, language and um, cognitive development is probably like a, you know, probably three or four year old. Um, And, you know, by and large, um, when we go out in the community with Cooper, we get a lot of grace and people are very accepting because it doesn't take long just with his behaviors and his stimming for people to figure out that, you know, we have um, a family member that, you know, has a disability, it's harder with my son, Kayla, because, you know, he's that invisible, um, you know, he has the invisible disorder, um, because he is conversational. Um, but he gets overwhelmed with a lot of, you know, noise. Um, and like he, he ends up having the worst trouble at some of the jumping places in Spokane, um, because he is a really strong rule follower. Um, but also, too, he needs things explained to him differently. And so, again, you know, like 
he so he gets tossed off of different things because you know he's trying to follow the rules but he doesn't understand how like like what a double bounce is and you know with someone on you know what i mean so he it's almost kind of like he needs to see you know what this means and even when they have the little cartoon things in his head that doesn't really actually compute to what the real like what it looks like in real life and what the problem is and so we have a lot of trouble with him like in some of the jump places and i think that goes back to angela like what you're talking about is that we need more training. And I think too, they need more training on what to look for, for those kiddos where it becomes some, some more invisible challenges and not kind of the more obvious ones, because I would be willing to wager a bet. And maybe you guys would disagree here, but if you were to go to a jumping place, or maybe some of you have done this. Okay. And let's say, um, like in my case, you know, in our family, we have a severely impacted kiddo and then, um, you know, like one that's, it's more invisible. Um, and, and Cooper was to do the exact same things that Caleb were doing. I'll bet you money. No one would ever say anything to Cooper or to John about Cooper. And then, but Caleb would be held to task because by gosh, he should know better. And this is the rules. And, you know, like you're, you can't be on this. You can't do, um, uh, what is it? Uh, dodgeball anymore because you're not following the rules. You know what I'm saying? Because so there, and that's the thing, I guess, where it's hard. There's that discrepancy when you're talking about, um, you know, that consistency. And I'm not saying that I can solve that problem because you're right. Sometimes, you know, it takes me a few minutes when I'm, I consider myself to have a very, um, fine tuned antenna when it comes to individuals and, and reading, um, and reading, you know, like, kids and situations. And there are times where it's kind of like, Oh, you know, it might take me a little bit longer to kind of pick up on the fact that there might be challenges, but I think that that is frustrating. Um, Oh, Angela, you want to unmute your mic? Yes. Cause you made a really good point in the chat section. You want to go ahead and bring that up? Yeah. Um, what I had said was just specifically businesses who are going to offer a sensory day, or sensory time, those ones need the train the most. Uh, a few years back, I went to a movie theater who boasts about their sensory-friendly viewings. Um, and I just specifically remember, and it's like in green, it's like burned into the back of my head, that I went and I was like, okay, I'm was really excited. Okay, sensory-friendly, like three tickets, awesome. And I just remember the cashier being like, oh, well, it's a zoo in there. And I was just, I was so disheartened about it. And it was just like, uh, and I didn't have the, um, the confidence at the time to like stand up or to say anything. I was just like, well, whatever. I don't care about what this kid says, but it was just, it was things like that. And I know that's not uncommon and a lot of people are out there and, you know, you can claim you have all these days, but if you're going to do it, if you're going to have a sensory time, if you're going to have a sensory day, then train that staff that's there about autism and what it looks like. And even real briefly, just so they have a little more understanding of what, what to expect, or even just like, Hey, parent knows what's best. Caregiver knows what's best. Like lean on them. I agree. And you know, um, when we're talking about educating and Maria, I think that um, you have touched on this before in another um, podcast, but one of the areas of inclusion that I think that where, you know, and or Maria on tonight's podcast, you also talked about how there's a generational gap where like some of the older people that are interacting with your kiddo at these businesses may not 
be as patient as some of the younger kids. And it really like this goes to John's point is, is that for him, you know, where he feels like there should be more inclusion, too, is, is that it's not practical to take Cooper and put him in gen ed because that does not serve that purpose well. Maria, you mentioned in another podcast that it is much more effective to take kids from gen ed and have them work in the special needs, um, like designed instruction classrooms, because um, then you're in their element. And but it really does, you know, to Angela's point, when you're talking about training, why not start getting these individuals acclimated even in school? You know what I'm saying? Because they're surrounded by people with learning differences and different abilities. And so it seems like even in the school setting, wouldn't it be awesome? And I mentioned in our previous podcast, Maria, when I was in the fifth grade, and that was eons ago at Broadway Elementary in the Valley. Um, when I was a fifth grader, I lived with my grandma that year. And um, one of the things that they allowed fifth and sixth graders to do was to sign up to be a buddy in the designed instruction classroom for the kids that had profound disabilities. And that was the most fun. And the one thing that all these years I still remember as a positive thing about fifth grade was that I got to spend all this time in um, the special ed classroom being a buddy, being a buddy. And we go out to recess with them. We would come in and help during crafts or if they had like a Valentine's Day party, we would get to go in there and we would help facilitate the party. And it was amazing. And, um, you know, who know who knew that all these years later, you know, I would be a, a woman that have special needs children. But again, I think to like I said, Angela, your point is if we start, you know, including gen ed into special ed, as opposed to trying to take some of our special ed students and throwing them into gen ed, I think it would be much better. One of the um, things that my son, Tyler, who is 16, he's neurotypical. Um, one of the things that he does, he is a handful. He is a spicy son of a gun. Um, but one of the things that Tyler does is he hates six period because it's PE and he hates the teacher. So every at least once a week, he pops his head into the special ed classrooms and he's just like, hey, yeah, you know, like, hey, what's it going to take? You know, I have some real assets for, uh, you know, your students and, you know, half of them already know me because we're buddies in the hallway. Um, what would it take to get me to be like your like student aide in here during sixth period? Because, you know, I think I have some serious skills that like you would really benefit from. And um, now, obviously, you know, Tyler has like you know, siblings with autism, but there is, I bet if you were to offer that to some of those students, they would be like, pick me, pick me, like I'll do it. Like I would take that as an elective to go into those classrooms and be able to um, spend time with those kids and mentor them. And, and, you know, just for that social interaction, I think that would just be like something awesome. Oh, I was just going to agree with you. I think uh, we just need to really let our typical kiddos or gen ed kiddos just see our uh, severely impacted kiddos in, in their, in their world. Yeah. Um, Cause Maria mentioned that in the previous podcast and it just, she hit the nail on the head with that. And um, it's just, we, we forget to do that because we want to support our kiddos as best we can. And so we, uh, we put them in a self-contained program which is great, but then we forget like, hey, they need the, these peer interactions too, but not just um, not just outside in a gen ed world, but having them come in too. Yeah, 
I, I completely agree. How about we switch and we talk about some of the shining stars in our community in terms of supporting and including our loved ones um, that have disabilities? How about you, Maria? Um, so when school was in session, we would go to, there's a brand new grocery outlet in Cheney. So we would go there because Friday's our late start. So once all the other kids got on the bus, we would take Josiah there and he would have his shopping list of what he would need food wise for school for the next upcoming week. And they have been so amazing with us. They recognized him. They'd call him by his name. They would wait for him to respond super patient as he meticulously unloads the cart and puts it on the belt and bags it up. And we're practicing exchanging money. And they're so patient every single time that it's been a great, 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 great positive experience when we go in there, which shopping at grocery outlet can be a frustrating task in itself because you never know exactly what they're going to have. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, you know, you don't, you can't go in there with the list necessarily. It's just some of his preferred things happen to be there. But I would have to say, hands down, that's our most favorite place to go shopping for him and where we take him. And there's never been a behavior, knock on wood. Like, they're just welcoming. And I, and I don't feel the anxiety walking in there because we go when basically right when they open. Not because we want to, it just when it happens. Like, sure. it wasn't planned that way. But So I would give kudos to them for sure. Awesome. What about you, Angela? Where are some of your favorite places to go in the community? Um, oh gosh, this is a hard one. Um, just cause we don't, we don't go a lot of places cause we had so many incidents where it was kind of a meltdown. Um, but honestly, uh, our local McDonald's has been really good. Uh, Josh loves milkshakes, but specifically vanilla only. And God forbid there's a little bit of strawberry or a little bit of chocolate at the very, very bottom. And I would just go and tell him, I was like, hey, like, you know, this is really awesome. I was like, my son won't drink it. He has autism. He has sensory needs. I really need you to fix it. And sometimes I've ordered like a large one because he had a really good day. And I'm like, oh, you just made a whole large vanilla milkshake and I have to swap it out. And they've been like, yeah, sure. No problem. So that's kind of been, it's been really great. that. I, I don't know how many times have you guys been to a restaurant where it's like you order, you place the order for the food. And for us, it's like, you know, plain cheeseburgers. You know what I mean? Like we go to Denny's and it's like, okay, I know it comes with all of this stuff, but I just literally need bun, meat, cheese. That's it. Like, you know what I mean? And here's the thing. Like, don't even put the other things on the plate because then the plate will be contaminated. And then like, even though it's not on the sandwich, it's still on the plate and now it's contaminated. And so then it comes out and sure enough, it's like, well, it's not on the sandwich. It's like, it's not on the hamburger. It's on the side. It's like, but the plate is now contaminated and he won't eat it. And it's like, um, I hate being that person, but it always cracks me up because it's like, you know, I'm going to be that person. So um, well, I will tell you our favorite place to go for restaurant wise is, is anybody ever heard of waffles plus that's on, um, they're on Monroe, North Monroe. So great. Got to give a shout out to waffles plus have been going there for a long time. Maria's giving me the thumbs up and they have always been supportive of our families that have kiddos. And 
and with big behaviors and very loud. And it has never once ever caused a problem. And that's the thing. If there was ever an issue, um, the owner of Waffles Plus would handle it. But he has such a delightful um, relationship with all of his, you know, regulars that come in there. Like it's one of the safe places that we like to go as a family and have never had any issues. So, and if you would have said, Hey, sorry, this milkshake has to be remade. He'd be like, absolutely right. It does, you know? And so he's so great, but yeah, that's nice that McDonald's remakes your milkshakes. Yeah. And, um, I just, uh, as you were talking, uh, another real big shout out to Northern quest, their buffet, uh, when they were open, we were, we would go every other week with my in-laws and it was just a nice time for us to get together and have that grandparent time. Um, but they are always so understanding to Josh because he wants to do his own plate, which is great. So he would scoop the eggs and he wants a full dinner plate of scrambled eggs. It's fine. <laughs> so he's there like 10 scoops of scrambled eggs. Fine, whatever. He eats it all. But then he's now gotten the habit of a cheese pizza. He wants a cheese pizza for breakfast. Whatever. Fine. It's brunch. And they, even though they never have it available, um, they would see us, the cook, the one that does the pizza, and he would automatically put one in. And sometimes if we weren't there when it came out and they cut it up, they would bring us a plate of like four slices to our table. And they would just celebrate Josh like, here you go, buddy, like enjoy. And they were very directed to him. And it was just, it's really a fun experience. That's excellent. How about you, Geraldine? What is your favorite place? Um, I will, I guess I would say Elian's favorite place and because they're his favorite, they're mine too. Um, cause we've always had great experiences, uh, Target. Um, he just loves going to Target and he'll run around like the electronics and book section and he'll play with like the iPads and the phones. And, um, you know, he just, I always know where to find him over there. The employees like never have any problem with him, like checking him out. Cause he'll bounce like from phone to phone to phone. And like, check out all the features. So if you ever need to know anything about any kind of phone or tablet, just ask my son. He can give you the lowdown on everything, tell you which one to buy, or at least tell you which one he really wants. Yes. Um, And then Red Robin, because his favorite things are there. He's comfortable. He knows what he wants to order. That And sometimes it's nice just to have that little device that they have. Um and it keeps him kind of just, you know, calm down and mellowed because, you know, he's the kid that likes electronics. And I try not to, I try to limit his time with it, but it's nice to, I don't know, just that level of familiarity with him with a, with a device sometimes. I will tell you one time, one time I was at Red Robin. It must be a real like fan favorite for our special needs family. Cause we were there of course with our, you know, with two different families that had special needs kids having yeah. dinner. And as we were walking through the restaurant to leave, there was like another family with a significantly impacted um, adult son with autism sitting there at a table. And then we were walking out. There was people waiting for a table who had again, a loved one with autism. And I thought, man, like this Red Robin, it must, you know, they obviously, um, I think I was with you that time. I think so. I think so. But it was like literally we're walking around and it's there's just all of these families that have yeah. like kids with autism. And it's like, yeah, way to be Red Robin. I really that, and the same thing with them with the milkshake. My son will often get like a chocolate milkshake, but he doesn't want whipped cream. Like if for some reason they put the whipped cream on it, they will go and bring another one without the whipped cream because it's not good enough when I scoop it off. Like it ruins it. It ruins it. Yeah. He can tell. He's like, no, I don't want this one. And they're always really great about it. 
Yeah. I love Red Robin. That must be a thing too. Yeah, I agree. How about you, Chevy? What's your favorite place in terms of, you know, inclusion and businesses that are supportive? I think our two favorites, um, we've got, I would say for activity, I would probably say Flying Squirrel, um, Trampoline Park when that is open. I really do love that they specifically have a special needs day and actually any day you, I think it's Tuesdays that they do the special needs day. The sound is lower and they don't have their crazy lights on or anything like that. And, uh, they have less foot traffic because it's in the middle of the week. Um, and that's been really great. I've taken her on that before. And then actually any day of the week you go, they will still give you the special needs rate. Um, uh, and caregiver at one caregiver is free. Yeah. So just for them, just for them doing that, I would pick them over other places just because they do that. And I asked the lady one time, we didn't go on the Tuesday and I was like, Oh yeah, we usually do the rate, but it's not Tuesday. She's like, Oh, this is like any day of the week. And I was like, really? Cause this is way cheaper for yeah. us to go. I've got two other kiddos. So this gets expensive and I'm free because I'm technically a caregiver. So yeah. I was just like, this is great. So, so right. Because when we took um, our family there for Cooper, um, I was totally shocked. They were just like, oh, like dad jumps free because, you know, he needs to be there for Cooper. And I was just like, wait, what? Like, seriously? Like, usually, like, we have never been offered a free jump for the caregiver. And it was like, oh, yep, no problem whatsoever. And so you're right. Like, we do use the flying squirrel a lot um also too like you know they are a sponsor they do donate to the isaac foundation we do love them for that as well so um yes so i give two thumbs up to flying squirrel for that reason and then our favorite food place that we go to is stupid cow in the valley um they are a one it is a breakfast place really tiny like really small breakfast place which typically for us we're like small means care can't be loud because then it would disturb everybody else because it's a small space. Um, but it's a smaller place and it's like family run and they know our family and Kira can stem and be crazy and, you know, be loud. And, you know, the lady's always super kind, gets our order in right away, makes sure that we get the kids get served real quickly. Um, we've never had to wait a long period of time for food because, um, that's kind of, we get her comfortable then we're good till we get the food and then and then we're really good then we can actually relax relax yeah it's like um, your anxiety goes from here to like <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they've been wonderful they've been wonderful and and you know Kira's been stemming and loud and everything and they've never they've always just been like really kind and great and gracious so we we love going there that's awesome my assistant Anna says that they have the best pancakes ever so we're giving them a shout out for their best pancakes ever. So that's awesome. How about you, Samantha? You're joining us on this podcast. Do you have any favorite places that you have found in Spokane that are good about inclusion? You can unmute. Um, I do. I'm hoping we're in the middle of a bedtime meltdown. I apologize. Oh, oh um, no worries. It's fine. I think we're good right now. But I would agree with Red Robin. We absolutely love Red Robin. Um, uh, we also love the Flying Squirrel. <laughs> for the same reason um i don't think we don't get out much we're a family of six um with one on the spectrum um who is five and so we're still kind of navigating the town navigating kind of finding our spot but those are kind of our two faves Nice. I will actually, here's my other thing I'm going to tell you guys is that, um, we, I have now, 
I loved the Airway Airway Heights um, Rec Center before, but then now that we're we well before the quarantine shutdown, um, we were going there actually much regularly. And I will tell you, we had a rough day with Cooper there because. I parenting fail. I didn't check the events calendar on the Saturday and it was swim with a mermaid day. And so the pool was not open for just people that didn't register to swim with a uh, mermaid. And so of course, you know, it was like capped at a certain number of kids and there was like the cap, the cap was at this pool of little kids wanting to swim with mermaids. So we get there. Cooper's in his swimsuit and Cooper wants to get in the pool and Cooper started losing his mind because if you didn't have a wristband on, uh, you couldn't get in the water. And so I was just like, Oh my dear God, like this is just going to go from like just bad to just ugly. And about like with like hundreds of little kids and parents watching, like I was just like, Oh, worst day ever. So he started melting down and like immediately the lifeguards came in. Um, I'm certain that they have recognized, they recognized us from having been in there before. Um, Cause like we pretty much would go there daily and um, they were just like, no problem. We'll just go ahead and put like, you know, it's, it's fine. You know what? One extra kid is not a big deal. And he just likes this one little kind of corner of the pool. And so they were going to try and put a little wristband on him, which I was like, Haha, that's not going to work because he doesn't tolerate the wristbands being on. So um, the compromise was uh, they put the wristband on Caleb because Caleb was going to be the person in the pool with him. And so then that way and then Caleb just kind of floats around near Cooper, not close enough that Cooper would hit him or anything like that. But just he floats around because Caleb is just kind of our little walrus um, that just floats around in the water. Um, so they were amazing. But then the problem was the slide feature was shut off. And that's his other thing. He um, only really goes down the slide a couple times, which is pretty ridiculous considering how, how big he is. And it's a little kid slide, but they still let him go up there and come down the slide anyway. Um, and he mostly just like standing up on the top and just kind of sit, you know, likes the water kind of like coming down around him. Well, that was turned off for the event. And he, um, so when we came down, cause we were walking on the treadmill and we were watching through the window and Caleb was hanging out with him. Um, he lost, he just went into total meltdown because when he sees us, he recognizes that's the time to go. And he started beating the crap out of himself um, because he was angry because he couldn't go down the slide. And he was like, Oh, that's the cue that now we have to get ready to go. And so um, John took him into the, um, the men's locker room. And so of course I can't go in there cause they're in the men's locker room and they were in there for a really long time. So I was just like, Oh gosh, you know, I was starting to like panic. Cause I'm like, if this is getting really bad, like someone's got to go in there and help him. And so the lifeguards were just like, Oh, Hey, you know, we just did a little pass by just to, you know, just to check on things. And here's, you know, he's still really upset, but he's like, you know, not hitting himself anymore. And so I was like, Oh, well that's fantastic. And so a little while goes on and one of the lifeguards, you know, comes up and just says, okay, well now he's in the shower and he's not screaming anymore. And so I think it's getting better. And I was just like, Oh, okay, that's great. And then just a little while later, um, you know, they came out and they said, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and just turn on the slide so that he can, you know, because he's calmed down. But let's just go ahead and turn on the slide and let him get like have his little routine. And I was just like, really? Oh, well, OK. So I was just like, that is just you didn't have to do it because you got like mermaids in the pool. And it is just this 
I mean, it, it was a cute event for those kids, but it was just like, you know, worst day ever for us because it was like, oh man, I should have. So I will not go now to the Parks and Rec Center before checking the calendar just for special events. But I was just so like thankful that they were just so like, you know, hey, like, you know, stuff happens and, you know, like we can make this happen. And so I was like, wow, that's awesome. So um, shout out to Airway Heights Park and Rec because we, until they closed, um, that was the place that was Cooper's most favorite place in the whole world. And that's the most, that's the thing he's still the most angry about being shut down currently. So he could care less about, well, he misses school too, but he, every single day he wants the, you know, sickness gone. So, you know, like go, go to the, um, he goes, yeah, he wants to go to the rec center. So that's his daily ask. So anyway, so shout out to them. And I know that um, some of the other rec centers are probably equally as good. I'm not, not as familiar with them, but um, I don't know if they've had formal training, but they sure seem like they have because they've been amazing. So, right. well, thank you ladies for joining me. I really appreciate it. Um, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this particular podcast on ways we could have more community inclusion. Thanks for joining me as always. And hopefully before too long, this um, social distancing will be a thing of the past and we'll be able to actually start going and visiting some of these amazing places. And then um, just know that like from the Isaac Foundation, we're always reaching out um, to these different businesses, um, especially those that want to actually work on providing more inclusion in their business model. Um, So I think that as time goes on, we're going to see more and more of those opportunities available to our family. So thank you guys for taking time out of your nighttime routine to help us out. And we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode of Isaac's Autism and Wild. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.